Welcome to On the Bench. This is Brendan Sinone. I got Josh Newberg with me today. And Josh, would you like to introduce uh, our very, very, I don't want to oversell it. No, I'm going to oversell it. Very, 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 very special guest we're going to have on today. Yeah, this is a legendary podcast. We have former Florida State quarterback, Charlie Ward, Heisman Trophy winner coming on the podcast today. Brandon, you excited? I'm, I'm excited. I'm a little nervous, anxious, happy, giddy. Yeah, it's a big deal. And also a, uh, a former FSU point guard. NBA I, I point was going to slip like it on. I forgot. How could add, I forget? Add it in there. I mean, Charlie, one of the best uh, dual sport athletes in the history of college athletics. And he's going to kind of give uh, some insight into you know, his recruiting process to Florida State, his time as a, as a football player. Going to talk a little bit about some hoops, too. He's a big fan of Coach Hammond, what the, the hoops mm. program is doing. Uh, and then at the very end of the the interview stick around. Uh, there's some technical issues early on, but everyone's internet's kind of bogging down. You get to hear some dogs barking too, but it's fun. Charlie gets to talk Glad about you get Park. your apologies out early. Yeah, Let's just get to the interview, Brendan. But, hey, God, before we do that, uh, but stick around for he talks about Coach Norvell, his interactions with him. Before we get to to that, uh, real quick, I do want to let it be known we're like helping out local businesses, uh, reading some some ads this week. So it's it's free. We're not getting anything from it. I just want to help out local businesses in Tallahassee. Chris and myself live in Tallahassee. We're local. We know a lot of local businesses are hurting right now. So uh, if we can help and use our platform in any way, uh, that's that's what we're going to do. So for today, I want to shout out the Red Shed. It's awesome barbecue, legit like BBQ, uh, being served out of a literal Red Shed every day from 11 to 7 off of Crump Road in Mayhem. That's right past I-10. They basically do like quintessential barbecue. They do it the right way. They offer up ribs, beef brisket, pulled chicken, pulled pork. My wife loves their pulled pork bowl. And they do homemade sides uh, from from scratch every day as well. I love the spicy mac and cheese. Everything is boxed and ready to go. They're taking extra steps to stay ahead of sanitation. Uh, they sanitize everything constantly, including money and, and the credit card machine. They uh, the folks at the register are using gloves and hand sanitizers. So so they're being safe. Uh, they serve it outdoors, so you basically can keep your social distance in, in a safe way. So if you are around, if you are out leaving the house, if you are hungry. Uh, I would recommend Red Shed, local business. They do a really good job. So check it out. Again, that's off of Crump Road in Mayhan. Uh, and with that, we're going to go to our national ads. And then after that, we got Charlie freaking Ward coming up. Let's go. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, as promised, we have Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, first-round NBA draft pick. I'm giving out his credentials right now. It's Charlie Ward. Charlie, I know you're a humble person. Is it okay if I call you an FSU legend? You okay with that? Um, sure. 
I think I think it's accurate. So, so Charlie, thank you for joining Josh and myself on the bench. We've been looking forward to this interview. Uh, I guess a, a place I want to start with you is what was the first time you met Coach Bowden or, or heard from him, and, and what was that moment like for you? Uh, well, really, I'm not sure when the first time, but I do remember seeing him at one of my uh, one of our high school football games. And um, that was the first time I actually, I think I saw him in person. I've, all, I've always watched since, you know, since I was, since I lived in Thomasville, um, I watched all of the FSU games, um, all of the Bobby Bowden shows on Sunday mornings. And so I was accustomed to, uh, well, I was accustomed to, um, understanding and knowing who he was uh, because of, you know, my growing up and watching FSU football. And so when he came to town, you know, it was, it was big time. I guess it's just like today of, you know, a Nick Saban or someone like that, you know, Daryl Sweeney came to uh, watch you play in person. You definitely be excited about it. And, you know, it was it was a great blessing to be able to. I didn't meet him that day, but it was just good to see him uh, at the game. Did, did he definitely come to watch? Like you, you knew he was there to watch you and watch you perform. Uh yes, I was the one that uh, they were recruiting. Okay, um, for my for my school. So when you see him there, Charlie, like, is that nerve wracking at all that he's there to watch you play? Or is that exciting? I know you said it's a big deal, but like, how, how do you interpret that when you see, you know, this, this coach you've watched for so many years on the sideline watching you play? Uh, no, I mean, it's not nerve wracking. Um, you know, it was, it was just exciting to, um, to see an FSU legend uh, there and uh, watching you know, watching us play because they were in Thomasville for a game um, like we normally would do would do before a game. And so he stopped over after their meeting or before the meeting um, to come and watch, watch me play. So, you know, at the time, I really didn't understand, you know, the recruiting and all of that. Um, I knew you know, they were coming um, to watch. But I uh, didn't fully understand it. But the more and more, and years after, I started to understand a little bit more that uh, you know the whole process and how it works. And you know they came to watch to see you know, how it performed. And I know Coach Bowden was a you know, fully sold um, on me early on, um, and possibly even later. Um, he had to be so like Coach McDuffie um, that I would be the type of quarterback that could um, play at Florida State and um, have great success. And so, you know, I, I just normally go out and play and do what I normally do, um, regardless of who's there. Why do you think Coach Bowden at the time needed to be? sold sold on you as as your as you were as a quarterback with it was it your playing style was it measurables why do you think it took a little bit of of pushing in the right direction to get him committed to you 
more more so, I think playing style than anything else because at that time, you know, they had a certain type of quarterback, and that quarterback was more of a drop back um, type of guy. Um, even though Casey Weldon was a little bit different um, than even Brad, but everyone else before him uh, was more so a drop back pro style type of quarterback. And I didn't fit that model. And so, you know, it took some prodding and um, jumping on tables from what I understand for it to actually, you know, happen. And um, I'm grateful that, you know, he gave me an opportunity. And, you know, the thing that really, you know, the thing that really happened was, you know, there were other quarterbacks before me that played the same style, and they chose to move um, and play a different position because they didn't want to wait. And during that time, if you were coming in as a freshman, uh, more than likely you weren't going to play, especially at the quarterback mm-hmm. position, you weren't going to play right away. And coach asked me if I was willing to be patient. You know, once I, you know, once we started going through the process, if I was going to be, if I was willing to be patient, then I would have an opportunity to play quarterback. Um, but the other two guys, Tracy Sanders and Deion Sanders, um, were quarterbacks and they weren't willing to wait um, to, to play quarterback, which they could have been, you know, great quarterbacks themselves. Um, but they weren't willing to wait, and they chose to move to a different position. They played that position really, really well, which is defensive back. Uh, but I chose not to do that. And so that's the reason why I was able to uh, play quarterback there. And uh, probably one of the reasons why uh, I was able to attend Florida State because I was willing to be patient. Charlie, it's Newberg. Uh, interesting uh, question coming off of that. How did? Why did you trust Coach Bowden? Because, like you said, you you had to wait. I mean, you, there was no guarantees that when you waited, they weren't going to switch your position. So, why did you trust Coach Bowden with that? Uh, well, of course, he's a he's a godly man, Christian man. Uh, one. And two, I wanted to play basketball as well. Um, And so uh, with Brad Johnson uh, being a guy who played basketball and football and also the same position, um, I knew that he would at least give an opportunity um, to to do it. So he had history on his side when it came to that. Other coaches decided not to. Um, And he told me when I was coming in, I would have a chance to play quarterback. So... um, if anyone's going to hold him, hold his feet to the fire, it's going to be my mom. <laughs> um, and she did. You know, she she actually uh, called him or talked with him uh, after my freshman year. Just to check in? Just to make sure that, you know, the quarterback position was still uh, a viable spot for me to play in the near future or the future. Um, because I was a punter, as you know, my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, so she just wanted to make sure that, you know, his words that he spoke to us in our living room, you know, were going to come true. And um, and so he's a man of his word, as we all know. 
him today um, to be. From all the people that I've heard, you know, he's he's been a man of his word, and so mm-hmm. and I'm, I can do that. Um, so I've never had any fear that he was going to switch my position or they were going to ask me to play another position. Um, just because I've had uh, my freshman year, you know, I had some great success. Uh, I didn't play. I was a, I was a punter, but I didn't get an opportunity to play quarterback on the big stage. But doing scout team and uh, scrimmages and those types of things, they started to realize and understand that I had the ability to play the quarterback position. And so I think that was another reason why I was able to um, play quarterback after everyone else, you know, got mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of crazy to think back then about the process for you to become a quarterback compared to now. Nowadays, uh, the spread offense is everywhere. The fullback is hard to find. You can't even find an offense that uses a fullback anymore. And um, freshman quarterbacks are being asked to come in and play at the highest level now. So what's that like to see this evolution in uh, under 30 years? Uh, Well, I I think um, it it really starts in high school. You know, now they're able to uh, get get some training. Um, They're playing a lot of 707. Uh, tournaments, you know, throughout their high school years, mm-hmm. which gives a lot of experience. Um, and now they have these elite 11s and all these different quarterback, you know, camps that they can attend, um, which gives them a lot more experience. And so you have quite a few guys that are able to come in and play as freshmen and even as sophomores. And so mm-hmm. that's just the evolution of our times, um, because we didn't we didn't have all of those things <laughs> when I was coming up. They had camps and those types of things, but not all the like you all twenty four seven. Yeah, that's crazy. Now, do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy watching it? Like the evolution it. of the position? Uh yes. I mean, even there, you know. The guys are – everyone's bigger and stronger and faster, even at that position. I know when I was coming up, if you were that type of guy, they normally moved you um, from that position um, just because that was just the times. And so now when you have a guy who's 6'4 and can run a 4'5", four, 4'6", four, 40, and can move a little bit, you know, he's a prototype quarterback, uh, division one, a uh, high draft pick type guy. Um, and, you know, even during my time when they were 6'4", 240, they were normally running, you know, 4'8", 4'9", and that's what everybody wanted. Um, and so if you were anything shorter, and even the guys who are shorter today are having uh, more of a legit opportunity to play quarterback at the highest level, even at, you know, 5'10", 5'11". And so, you know, that's just the evolution of the game as well. Because when I was coming out, they weren't getting drafted first round. I mean, first first overall pick. That was just what happened in regards to what kind of skill level you had. That was just the reality of it. And and I'm, I'm glad that these guys are getting opportunities 
uh, who are smaller mm-hmm. uh, in stature, and they have a certain skill set, and it's being used in the NFL now. What kind of, with that in mind, Charlie? Like, what kind of numbers do you think you'd be able to put up now in in modern offenses with the way tempo is, the RPO game, how spread out things are? How dynamic do you think you you would? I mean, you already were dynamic, but would your numbers be even crazier the way offenses are kind of catered towards quarterbacks and and some of the rules that protect QBs nowadays? Ah, uh, well, we really like my. I only played two years, so I mean. You know, I was able to accumulate like six over six thousand yards in two years, and so you know, it's just if I was playing three years, then I may have nine to ten thousand yards, you know, as a career. Um, but I only got an opportunity to play two years, which was fine. That was just the way the way it was. Uh, but we were in this type of offense early on. Um, our RPOs were more uh, a traditional NFL style where we call two plays in the huddle, especially my junior year. We would call two plays in the huddle, get to the line of scrimmage, and then change the play, however that it looked. Um, but in today's game, you call two plays and you just, you're reading guys. You're reading them. You have a key that you read and you either give it or throw it depending upon you know, that guy. So we didn't have those type of options uh, when it came to live ball options. Our options were more pre-snap reads uh, on whether we were going to run the ball or pass the ball. Um, And I didn't do very much running. Um, Just protection, I guess, one. And I was selective. when I, when I ran the football as well. Um, but the more I go back and look at some of the film, we did run some QB draw and, you know, some of those types of things, QB traps um, on occasions. Uh, but it wasn't, you know, a heavy dose like you would see a Tim Tebow um, and some of the guys, you know, when they were running, uh, even Trevor Lawrence, you know, today, Deshaun Watson, those guys, uh, they're they're heavy runners, meaning they put the ball in their hands to run quarterback uh, counters um, and those types of things on you know, regularly. So I didn't have that, which I'm grateful for. Uh, but um, I think you know that that the offense has evolved as well from the time that we ran the uh, no huddle. All right, and this is this is a uh, question that I think our our listeners are going to be interested in, in hearing the answer to. You had a lot of great moments during your time at Florida State, so it's going to be tough, I'm sure, to, to boil it down to one. But your favorite game that you you played in? What what's your favorite game that you've ever participated in at, at FSU? Most uh, memorable? Huh? One? Yeah, you got got one most memorable. If you can boil it down to one. Uh, it's tough. Yeah. Well, of course, I'm going to go with the championship game. <laughs> that, that's a good one. Uh, because there was a, uh, a game that I think a lot of people expected us to win um, and win big because they really – I don't know if it was because they 
didn't respect Nebraska, and we're talking about outside people, not us as players and coaches, uh, we knew what we were going up against. Um, but it was uh, something that uh, we, we had prepared for in some form or fashion. Um, and it just came down to, you know, just a good old-fashioned uh, defensive struggle uh, because we both ran certain offenses that, you know, if you took away certain things or challenged certain things, you could really neutralize a lot of that offense. So for us, they took away a lot of our easy routes. Um, they jammed our receivers, uh, which threw off our timing, and they did a lot of stunts up front uh, to try to confuse our offensive line. And, you know, they did, they did a lot of blitzing. Uh, they did some cheap shots as well, hitting late and those types of things on the quarterback. They did get penalized for it. Um, and, you know, we were fortunate to be able to have a very solid defense as well. And they ran, you know, that option. And so we were able to contain them um, to keep the game close. Uh, but when it was all said and done, you know, we were able to drive late, put a drive together, uh, even though we – Throw the football down the field a few times, but aren't able to score, kick field goals. Um, but, you know, it was just one of those type of games that you like to be in. Um, it's a competitive game, close game. And as a competitor, you always want to have an opportunity to win the game. Uh, and so we had the ball. Well, we didn't have it last, but we put ourselves in a position to score at the end of the, end of the game, and we had prepared all year for that moment. Um, you know, people, the Notre Dame game, even though we lost it, uh, we had opportunities in that game to drive the football down the field and score, and we did, uh, but we just weren't able to score in the last opportunity we had. But it helped us with the champ in the championship game because we learned from that, that opportunity. And so, you know, it was a great game. I'm glad Scott Bentley kicked the field goal. Uh, it was close. Uh, and uh, we had lost games before, you know, wide right, wide uh, left during that era. Um, but I was grateful that he was able to uh, make, make it. And our defense had to come up with a stop. And, you know, they did a good job of keeping them from getting closer. Um, to be able to kick a, a game-winning field goal in the end. Charlie, you uh, you mentioned that you sometimes go back and watch your film. How often do you go back and watch film from those days, and what are you looking for specifically? Is it just to reminisce, or are you going back to kind of look at some of the schemes that you guys ran? Uh, well, I watched, I watched them more when I was coaching uh, football. Mm -hmm. to look at schemes and um, those types of things, trying to get ideas. Um, but, of course, like anyone else, you know, I was sitting there watching um, watching our guys play um, and preparing for moments like, like today, meaning, you know, if people ask me about games, I can, I can at least share some of the things that I – saw and experienced 
uh, as as opposed to try to remember. Um, because I lost, right, when I got out of football into the NBA, mm-hmm. I couldn't remember a whole lot, you know, about my career and some of the games. And so uh, when I was able to obtain some of the video, it brought back a lot of memories um, as far as the, the fine points of, you know, the play that people may be asking about. Um, and so it just gave me more in-depth knowledge and brought back memories of, yes, I remember that play when people mm-hmm. asked. Um, and so that's really, you know, and now if I watch it, it's just to go back and reminisce, if anything else. That's good. Uh, I know you said you you, you were coaching, and um, nowadays you're 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 not coaching, but you are kind of leading a campaign here at the high school level to implement a shot clock in high school ba- basketball. Yes, I am. Um, I'm actually coaching. You know, I'm still coaching. Okay, you are coaching. I'm coaching at Florida High, uh, FSUS, uh, boys basketball, and um, and so. For the past two years, uh, we've had great success. I don't know if it's been coaching, but it's definitely been having good players, mm-hmm. um, good support. <laughs> um, and and so we've had some success the past two years. And one of the things that you know I've noticed um, in our high school game is you know you have teams, which is fair because everyone used the rules to their advantage. And, um, and do what they need to do to win games or whatever the case may be. But I just noticed when I'm watching college basketball, watching the pro game, um, how much faster uh, guys have to play, um, just the nuances of the game and different things. And that's something I'm working to implement or have, work, have implemented into uh, my program at Florida High, just the concepts a defensive mindset uh, that the colleges and the pros are looking for. And one of the things, you know, going back to even 1986, when I was in high school, uh, we were all excited about this new thing that they were getting ready to do. And that was the three-point line. Right. Up until that time, I mean, we were shooting <laughs> two, regardless of how far out it was. Yeah. It was just, you know, basketball. Uh, but when they started putting the three point, when they started putting the three point line in the high school game, it changed everyone's perspective and thought process, and everyone was excited about shooting the three. Now everyone wasn't able to do it at the time because it was something new, um, and they had to learn. And over the course of our years, thirty plus years or however long it's been. Um, you know, now they're starting to move it back and, you know, move it even uh, further you mm-hmm. know, in the college ranks and even in the pros. And so I go back to that time because we're in a point where now in high school, especially in Florida, we haven't evolved past the three-point line. True. We've, we've done some things um, to try to change up the game. But we really haven't have we haven't evolved to to uh, see how we can uh, help our kids get prepared and ready for college. 
Um, and so I'm on this, I'm on the bandwagon of we need to speed up the game. Um, and the shot clock is something that that's missing, I, I do believe, in our high school game. There are some states that are doing it. Um, and I think more and more states are going to start to evolve as we talk about evolution in a lot of different ways. We got to start to evolve um, in high school basketball and having a shot clock. Um, it provides a lot of um, opportunities for kids to develop um, as they prepare to go to college. Um, it provides more excitement for people who come to the game. Um, especially early on, it'll be something new, um, mm -hmm. three-point line. And so um, I'm working with a lot of different people in different states to try to see how we can uh, bring a shot clock to um, high school varsity basketball right now uh, here in Florida. Um, and so I'll be, I'll be sharing this. I'll be on my soapbox here for quite some time until we can get it done. Um, it may be two years, three years from now, right. but uh, we got to start start somewhere. Um, but the key is, is just, you know, getting our kids prepared for the next level. And people say, well, my, our kids may not go to college, but this is a great opportunity for them to have a college experience if they don't choose to go to college by playing with the shot clock. Because there may be kids who don't go to college but at least they'll have what, what they have in college, which is a three-point line and a shot clock. And that's the, those are the things that we really watch. We're watching college basketball, the pro game. You know, everyone's playing at a different pace. And the reason they're playing at a different pace because they have a shorter time to get the ball up and down the court and put the ball in the basket. And it just makes it more interesting. Charlie, speaking of of college basketball, I'm curious to get your thoughts on Coach Leonard Hamilton, what he's done at Florida State. Just how impressive is the culture that he's established, especially the winning the last few years? Uh, how impressed are you with what he's done? Uh, very impressed with Coach Ham, of course. Actually, I talked to him last night about this shot clock deal, and he gave him some words of wisdom. Um, and what, what did he what did he think of the shot clock deal? Well, he for it. Yeah, he's, he's for it, and um, he's willing to help get other coaches, college coaches on board to try to get it pushed pushed over as well. So, you know, I think, I think as I said, it's just an evolution uh, for everyone to try to get this deal, uh, deal done. Um, and finances, we're working to try to make sure that, you know, that's been the main reason why people haven't, you know, pushed it forward. Is they're saying it's, fi it's a financial issue. Well, we're working to try to, to find ways to, to eliminate finances. Um, but Coach Ham, um, of course, he's been there quite some time. He's been able to establish himself. He's been great all the places he's been. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out how the man is 70 plus years old, however old he is. But <laughs> Um, and people respect him. Uh, he has a system that he's built, and kids buy into that system, uh, which is phenomenal uh, for him to be able to get five-star, four-star kids to come and buy into the system that he's um, 
know, that he's used over the years. Um, of course, he's developed the, the system, but he's also developed a lot of uh, great talent. You know, guys who left the first year, guys who left the second year, guys who've been there for four years. Um, and so he's had a wide range of guys that he's brought in. And um, now he's, you know, they're all pretty similar. You know, they're long, athletic, uh, basketball IQ. So, you know, and he graduates his kids for the most part. Um, and they're very, very seldom you know, in trouble. Um, and so those are things that you want from a head coach. Um, and Coach Ham, of course, has a great staff around him. Um, it does help. And I've said this, you know, even with Coach Bowden, um, when Coach Bowden was strong, when those years we were winning, he had stability in his staff. Mm. When that staff started to break up and he started bringing in different people, um, then, you know, that's when we started losing more games and those types of things. And so Coach Ham's been very fortunate to be able to have a certain group. Coach Jones has been there forever. Um, CY, you know, has been there for almost 10 years or so. Um, and, you know, Steve Smith is new, but, you know, Gates is, you know, Gates was there for quite some time before he left to go take the job, I think, at Cleveland State. And so, you know, it's, it's always helpful to be able to have, you know, stability in your staff um, in order for you to be able to teach the things that you want to teach. And from year in and year out, they've had the success that they've had because of the stability in the staff. Charlie, we, uh, we really appreciate your time joining us here on the bench. Um, before I let you go, though, I wanted to ask you a question. Have you had a chance to meet Coach Mike Norvell and interact with him and his staff at all? Uh, yes, I've uh, met Coach Norvell. Actually, the first day he was uh, introduced or in town or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, whatever he signed or whatever the deal was, he came over to the school um, and I actually happened to be walking out and he was walking in. Um, and so... It was uh, interesting, you know, to be able to talk <laughs> with him uh, because uh, you heard some things about him and he has a, you know, he's just great energy. Um, and then I've had a chance to talk with him again here. Uh, I've had a chance to talk with him again uh, here recently, uh, the, uh, you know, right before this whole virus uh, pandemic hit. Uh, and just to hear what he's doing, uh, of course, I have a son on the team, so I have some some inside knowledge of what's going on. Um, and so just to see, you know, what he's been able to do these last three months or whatever it's been uh, with the recruiting. I was getting a, a, a great staff together, and mainly as again, uh, again, I go back to the stability uh, the good majority of his staff, he's had relationships with before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, either at Memphis or Arizona State or somewhere he's had relationships built. And so they're all one group. I'm thinking maybe one or two that may be outside. Uh, they came highly recommended from people that he trusts. 
And so when you have that kind of continuity within a staff, it takes years off of trying to figure out you know, one, one, you know, how, how this person works and how that person works when they all have an understanding. It, it definitely cuts out a lot of the um, time lag that you need for success to happen. And so I don't know if they'll be successful next year, which I, I do believe they will. Mm-hmm. Of the things that they put in place uh, to be successful uh, with the discipline, uh, with the team unity, um, and all those things that those things add up, you know, over the course of time. Of course, not being able to have a spring definitely hurts. Yeah. Uh, hurts, hurts the continuity. Um, but I do know that when they do reconvene, uh, they'll learn as much as they can now virtually. Uh, uh, but when they do re- reconvene, uh, it'll be fast forward. And they'll, they'll of course, they'll be behind, uh, just like a lot of other first-year coaches uh, will be behind um, in teaching their techniques and all those types of things. But I do believe that they'll uh, have great success because, one, they'll be disciplined. Uh, on and off the field, which he's doing a great job of, um, and they're going to play with great effort. Mm-hmm. So, um, as I tell my my boys uh, that I coach, that you know, effort covers over a lot of things, and you know, if you if you don't do anything else, you make mistakes. You still got to play with great effort, um, and so. And that's something I, I do know that they'll play with. And with the talent we have, the guys play with great effort, we'll win games. Right. And with discipline. Um, we'll win games because we have enough talent to be able to do that. Um, so I'm just I'm looking forward to it, um, the season, and just seeing how we can uh, rebound from, you know, our previous years. Of, mm-hmm. What meant and, and not meeting the goals that we had set for ourselves as a program. And I don't know how many games we'll win, but I just know that the product that we'll put out on the field will be one that we'll be proud of for sure. Yeah. And uh, Charlie, it's been great to see you around the program more in these last couple of years. And we thank mm-hmm. you for taking time to join us on the bench today. Yeah. Thanks, well, I Charlie. Appreciate you guys having me. All right, Charlie. Talk to you soon. All right, you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Charlie Ward, everybody. That was really cool. That, that was awesome. Me. I, I get a little starstruck with uh, oh, some of yeah. the guys from, from, the, from the 90s. Yeah. Charlie and Coach Bowden. The first time I ever called Coach Bowden uh, for an interview, Josh, she mm-hmm. called me boy, and I was, like, shaking. He's like, hey, boy. <laughs> yeah, I remember the I, – I used to have to go over to – the field and uh, stick my mic in the scrum for when I was working on the territory with Jim Henry and Dave Peters. And oh my God, I was 19 years old. I would never ask a question, but I would just make sure my arm was in there getting that audio. It was great <laughs> to hear coach Bowden would, would speak for like 45 minutes after every practice. It was great. Those were the days. Uh, <laughs> it, it was interesting to hear Charlie, his thoughts kind of like on uh, football changing and sports changing and yeah. someone who seems very open to like adapting in a lot of ways. It was, that was a cool interview. That was, that was fun. And I wasn't sure what to expect. It was a good time. 
also what stuck out to me, man, is just how passionate he is about basketball. Yeah, definitely. Like you can tell he loves football. He enjoyed every minute of his time at Florida State playing football. <clears throat> but you can just really tell that he loves he loves coaching basketball. He just he loves the game of basketball. We didn't get into some of the NBA stuff. We could have probably done a, like a full another 20 minutes on yeah, his basketball sure. career at FSU. And then in the NBA, we could have gotten into the Knicks heat rivalry. There could have been all sorts of other stuff. So maybe later on, if we're quarantined, like in two months from now, we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll do this again. Um, Charlie might be asking in a month. Hey, you guys are still doing that pod. Can I come back? on? <laughs> no, that was fun. Uh, yeah, it was a good time. So I don't want to jinx this, Josh. I think we have some other cool stuff set up this week. I'll leave it at that. All right, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, w- I won't get into it, but but I've been working the phones. Things have been, things have been happening even during that interview. I'm not even going to tell you what's about to happen. It's so cool. So uh, ending the podcast now. We'll hopefully be back tomorrow. Uh, for Josh Newberg, I'm Brendan Sinone. This is On the Bench, and thanks to Charlie for coming on this podcast.